talking about you with Estra, season eight, episode 15. Remember, talking about you with Esther is daily Monday through Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate your time and look forward to sharing information, ideas, and comments. It makes us all better people. Today's topic is who is listening to you? We will add more episodes next week actually to complete this because Congress these last couple of days has really been intense and we don't want to miss the opportunity to cover some of the information that they've started. So I want to start with talking just a bit about yesterday and what the Supreme Court nominee Kavanaugh and also Dr. Ford hearing took place. So my question is, do you feel like they were listening to Dr. Ford's concerns yesterday? Or do you think they were just interested in their agenda? And why is it because the people in which this, that want Kavanaugh in is big business? What will happen if big business gets in? It means that the court may be swayed to what their interests are and be forgotten about what's important to us. And that actually isn't something that we actually want to happen. So are they ready to test? Are you ready to test their loyalty to us to see what they're going to do? Well, we're just putting it off for a couple more days. So make sure that you listen to the first two episodes of Who is Listening to You so you get all the information you need about your senators, hotlines, and information about people in which you want to contact and why it's important for you to let them know how things are going. Today's hearing, what has taken place? Senator Flake has requested an FBI investigation. And as you can remember, if you listened to uh, the hearing at all yesterday, a lot of people have been saying, we want an FBI investigation. And I've I'm not sure if I actually talked about what that really entails, but if I haven't, we will get to that so that you know what the FBI really does. And my question to you, if you call the FBI, would they listen to you? Would they be concerned about what you were talking about? Or is it only certain people who can contact them and they'll do anything about a situation? So we'll have to uh, figure out what that really means. I thought it was interesting. If you get a chance, listen to what Senator Cory Booker stated about how he felt about the vote this morning. In fact, he ended up walking out. He said that he didn't feel that the Congress was acting appropriately. They were not listening. Who were they not listening to? The one out of three women who are sexually assaulted and also the one out of six men who are sexually assaulted. He felt by ignoring and not getting all the information and the facts that they, Congress, was not doing their job. And he said he did not want to be a part of something where people look back in history and say, these people got it wrong. He didn't want to get it wrong. He wants to get it right. How do you want to get it? How do you see this situation? Do you see Congress doing their civic duty or doing their Wall Street duty? Which one is it? Is it some of each one? Or maybe even their own personal agendas? 
But we know by looking at that hearing, something was definitely wrong with our leaders. Did they seem like they were leading to you? Or were they following someone? What was their agenda? And what role did our president play in all of this? And speaking of our president, by the way, uh, Trump decided to sign a bill to avoid a government shutdown. Does that mean right now there's too much going on that a shutdown would just probably knock things out of the park? We have so much chaos and trouble and insecurity and concerns that one more problem might just take us over the edge. What do you think? I think maybe it would be a major issue. So from my perspective, uh, that was not good news. By the way, I often talk about a lot of the harassment and intimidation that goes on, and particularly online. And until our manufacturers come up with a plan that first does not give complete access to law enforcement, stingray kind of things, to your, your devices, or anyone else that's able just to randomly go into almost anyone's software. I have not seen where, I mean, they've gotten in, in my opinion, I, I don't know who they haven't been able to hack. I've, I've had any, anyone you can think of. I don't need to, to name a lot of them, but the majority of people, they've been able to hack, get into whatever I, the most common applications most of us use, in my opinion, have been able to hack. Today, what we've heard is that there were over 50 million Facebook accounts hacked. And from my perspective, the one question nobody seems to be asking about all these things that are getting hacked, is it a common group of people who are doing these hacks? Are they ones who work for the companies in which we use? Are they just hidden in those workplaces uh, learning about the software and then going in and either doing it themselves or giving part of the software away to someone who can cause havoc. And another thing I have a question about Facebook is, is Facebook, first of all, you know, the stock had gone down before. Now with this knowledge today, it's going down again. And my question to you is, is this really Facebook or some hater out there doing a lot of crazy stuff? And another thing is, how did we end up with so many haters? I don't, I don't understand that. On top of that, somebody went out and hacked, or actually, I don't know if they hacked, and just went in and changed the information in uh, Wikipedia, Wikipedia on several senators giving up their home addresses and information because of the hearing yesterday. They said, screw these guys. If they think this is not personal, let's just put their privacy out there. What kind of respect is that? That's no respect. If you don't like the way somebody's handling it, make up ways in which you choose to think is a better idea and present it. We have the power to change this. We don't have to get evil. We don't have to become like them doing things that are, that are mean-spirited or wrong. We can stand by right. Right can make right. Right can make might, I believe it is. Yeah, I mess up those things so much it's just almost embarrassing for me to use them. But I'll still try it anyway. Right does make might. Evil leads nowhere 
but down a road that hurts us all. We don't need to be evil. We don't have to be mean, and we don't have to get back at people in ways that are wrong. We can be right. You know, I usually don't like that we can take the high road kind of word, but we can't take the high road, not and just let somebody just slap us around, but stand up. You can be on the right road and stand up. In fact, what that brings me to today is actually I found this article. It's the presidentsoffice.gov. I believe it's not even from our country. It's a different country. I think it's uh, Western Europe. Um, And what it does is it gives you some examples of civic responsibility. And maybe that's where we're missing the mark. What do you think? Have we forgotten what respect means? Have we forgotten how to respect ourselves? And I certainly believe, I guess this is Friday, I can talk about some of the things we'll get to next week. And the only reason why we're actually not going there these last couple of weeks is because it's been or a couple of days. It's because there's been so much on the news about uh, these hearings and the people that we'd like to speak to are a little bit busy right now. I mean, the people are still, staff is still in their office and we can contact them. But I would like this to be more of a moment where the concentration, not only ours, but theirs, can be a little better to our questions. So I hope you agree. If you don't, go back and listen to the first two days, Monday and Tuesday of this week, and uh, go ahead and ask your questions. There's a couple of things that I would just recommend that you add to your list when talking to them just to make things clearer and hopefully to make you more confident in making that call. But it says in this article, it says, here are some of the notable examples of civic responsibilities. It is the responsibility of citizens. Who is the citizens? We are the citizens, all right? To take action wherever they can be improved, wherever they can improve our own economic, cultural, or social development, and promote self-reliance. I like that, self-reliance. I think that's the thing many Americans have been continuing to want to to be able to do is self-reliance. But the way in which our Congress and our businesses are currently set up, they don't allow a lot of that as much anymore. It's almost like they'd rather bring us down than lift us up in order to keep money that doesn't belong to them but belongs to us. The ratio of uh, executive pay versus everyday people is a shame. It's shameful. When greed of those who have more take away from those who have less, there's something wrong with that. Okay, so number one was to take action whenever they can to improve their own economic, cultural, and social development and to promote self-reliance. Number two, it says to give a, to give a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. You know, and I, I often think about that. And I, when you see where they talk, they talk about, well, most people are hardly doing their job. They're just doing a poor job. And you're paying a minimum wage where they can't even feed their families, that they have to be on food stamps, that they have to go get vouchers to live indoors, and they're working for you and you're not paying them enough to survive, yet you have billions and billions of dollars that you're using for your own ex- expenditures on things that are luxuries but you can't afford to pay the people that work for you a decent wage? 
to give a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. Maybe they think they're giving you a fair, fair day's work for a fair day's pay. Do you think your workers don't know when you're cheating them? What do you say? Okay, I'll just go ahead and if they don't want to find another job, another job where you and the other companies have designed systems to hurt people in ways that none of you are willing to pay a decent wage, come on, wake up. We're awake. We're not asleep. We see it. But who has the money and the power? Not the ones who need to do what? A fair day's work for a fair day's pay. So, employers, that's up to you. That's up to you to decide that people are important and should be respected at all levels of your company and that your greed is not justified. Okay, the next one says, to act with integrity, sharing with others, caring for others, promoting sound values, and guiding generation. Do you see this? I don't see it happening. I wish it were happening. I think our country would be far better off if just these things were happening. To act with integrity. Oh, my Lord. We haven't seen that from our elected officials. And what about those just staying quiet when they know insurance companies are not paying decent settlements, are doing denials, delays, people out there, regardless of whether it's an auto accident, a flood, a fire? How many people are getting what they're supposed to get? And what are you government officials saying about it? Not very much. We've had fires in California. We've had floods on the, uh, on the East Coast. What have you done? We have accidents all over in this country. People worried about what's going to happen in their lives. And what do you do about it? You promote the lobbyists of the people that support you. Now, tell me that is right. There's nothing right about it. To act with integrity, share with others, sharing for others, promoting sound values, and guiding the next generation. You know, when corporate America did those things, we were a better country. We weren't a selfish country. We all learned, educated, and grow, grew together. That's what we did. What happened when you stopped doing what you should be doing? We become a worse-off country. So I place some of this in your hands, corporate America. You need to wake up and you need to grow up and remember how you were raised. I'm not. Old, I'm old enough to remember how things used to be. And it wasn't with you taking everything you can get your hands on and forgetting other people below you. All right, the next one is to participate actively in, Amer- in affairs that affect them by joining with others to create resources and facilities in their communities. Let me read that again. It says to participate actively in affairs that affect them by joining, and when they say affect them, they're talking about citizens, you, you and I, by joining with others to create resources and facilities in their communities. Okay? We're all going to fall on hard times. I don't care how much money you have or you don't have. Hard times come to us all. We can't avoid them. This is life. This is living. It's going to happen. Will you be ready? I don't know. But what I can tell you is when you do fall, and you will, support you. Because I can tell you, in my times of need, I've appreciated it immensely. 
the suffering that can be eliminated by just a little help is amazing. So remember that you can get out there and support your community because your community, believe it or not, no matter where you are, you're, where you are in this country, socioeconomically, we need you. There are skills I've seen with people who have the least that those who have the most could not even imagine. There is knowledge in having very little. I've seen people do things I would never have known how to do without them. And on the other side of that, those with a lot, they know things that people at the bottom don't know, right? The top, the bottom, we're all here. we all got to get this together. We can't pretend like we are great or we are small because we're neither one. We're not great or small. We are just us. We are us, you and I. That's all. We're just who we are. And we have gifts and talents no matter where we are. So always remember that. You are talented and gifted. You're thinking, well, maybe what I know everybody knows, I bet you're wrong. But the only way for you to find that is to actually get out with the people and actually do your civic duty. Go to the next one. It says, to build leaders in their communities by identifying and nurturing people who can take responsibility for themselves and for other people. Now, this one I believe we all can do. I do believe it is training and skills and knowledge. But it also has to be with people in which you can look up to. And I think that's been an issue. And I'm so encouraged that this new crop, I'll call them a crop, of people voting or running for uh, elections in 218 over a month, they're interested in making it better. I hope they don't get in Congress, the ones who feel this way, get in Congress and get in with the rut of the ones who've been in there for years who are doing nothing for us and are more interested in the money. If all you're interested in in going to uh, in becoming an elected official, choose not to run because we have enough of those. We need some real people with integrity, honesty, empathy. Otherwise, we're not going to move on. So I thought that was just great that when it gave some notable examples of civic responsibility. In fact, I'm going to run through those one more time. I thought they were all very important, but I'm not I'm not going to comment this time, okay? So the first one was, it says, here are some notable examples of civic responsibility. It is the responsibility of citizens, number one, to take action whenever they can to improve their own economic, cultural, social development, and to promote self-reliance. Number two, to give a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. Number three, to act with integrity, sharing with others, caring for others, promoting sound values, and guiding the next generation. Number four, lead in affairs that affect them by joining with others to create resources and facilities in their communities. And the last one, five, to build leaders in their communities by identifying and nurturing people who can take responsibility for themselves and for others. Personally, I think that says a lot. I think it says a lot about what we what we can do, and I think it's wonderful that people are starting to do more and more of these 
after Trump was inaugurated. That's, it's amazing how Trump has woke so many people up who were asleep. And that's a good thing about Trump. He has done that. Another thing I personally believe is good that he's done is he's shown the way in which a lot of things uh, are affect, or elected leaders have done that have been wrong. I, I just think that's great. I mean, he's pointed out, for example, the, the Kavanaugh hearings for the Supreme Court is based on Republican big donors. They're the ones who want Kavanaugh in there so they can get their hidden agendas brought forward. And guess what? If they do, we can do nothing, they think, to stop them. But what I say is they don't know Americans. They don't know citizens. They don't know awake citizens. They might know sleep ones. Sleep people don't do a lot, but awake people do. So to me, I think that's just wonderful. So the, the other thing I'd like to mention from yesterday uh, from about the uh, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh hearings is something that Camelia Harris brought up, and I still think this is very important, and we will get back to this, which they were talking about trauma. When I was listening to many of the senators say that they got calls, and that's why I say you too can call from their constituents, which just means people in their state that they represent. They went to Congress for you. You voted them in or the people in your state voted them in. And she talked about trauma, shame, and fear. Uh, She said that uh, that happens to uh, sexual assault victims. But I personally believe those same things, trauma, shame, and fear, also happen in other major life events, such as collisions. And unfortunately, I believe those three factors, when you come and you're trying to talk to your insurance company or your employer, ERISA, or Social Security, or any other long-term disability, or anyone you you come in contact with, that when you are dealing with those, you're not actually coming, communicating from the point in which you would have had, or the point in which you would have come from prior to whatever major life event you were exposed to. It's almost like you've shifted track. And why? Because of all the suffering, the pain that you're going through. So in some cases, you need to maybe be able to evaluate to see where you are because you may indeed need, may need legal, legal representation, but the type of legal representation you need are not ones that can be bent over backwards or slipped by insurance companies. They have a lot of power. They use their money as power, or let's just say they use your premium money that you gave to them for power. So be sure to take your time. I thought that was really something Dr. Ford said. She said she took her time and she interviewed multiple uh, attorneys. And if you go for an attorney, that's a strong recommendation for me. Please do that. Because a lot of the attorneys, especially those who want you to go with them immediately, may already be working for that insurance company or have many claims out with them. And say they may not negotiate perhaps as good as they could on your behalf because they also have to weigh the other issues that they're addressing with their other clients. So that's, to me, very, very important. So be careful in who you choose to be uh, your representative as an attorney. All right, so the other thing I 
I almost forgot to mention is October is just around the corner. Did you know that? Next week, we're in October. Where did the first nine months go? I don't know. They go so fast, I can't even keep up. It seems like it's been only three months. But October is Car Accident Awareness Month. So we're going to be putting a lot of things into October. We're going to catch up a little bit on uh, September, where who is listening, how we kind of got a little bit behind because of the hearings and knowing that those are important, that we need to address those issues. So we kind of have pushed it, you know, back a little bit. But we'll get there uh, aware before you get in a car accident, not after. I mean, if you, you don't know before and you only have after, then you work with after. But you have to be aware that uh, some things that are going to happen after that collision, you have to prepare, be prepared for. But to me, if you remember those three, trauma, shame, and fear, you'll be so much better off because you'll know which points you're working from. So I just think that's very important to know. So that trauma, shame, and fear makes us react in different ways. But it's only because we were hurt. If we had not been hurt, we would normally be thinking in our whatever normal mind might be in that case. So please remember that. And think about your civic duty are really important. And we've kind of gotten away from that. And I think it's because of the way in which our country is currently being run. But we have a choice in that. We can choose how to better ourselves. And lastly today, uh, before our show ended yesterday, we were reading that from my official car accident blog, can insured civil rights help injured? And we got a, oh, a little less than half through it. And I'm just going to pick up not exactly where I left off. It's going to be down a little bit. You can always go out and look at any of the articles that I talk about, whether they're mine or someone else's, and go ahead and read the full thing for yourself. Remember to subscribe. In particular, I would love for you to subscribe to estrascarwreckhelp.com. Come out, join me. Be a part of the solution to help people involved in collisions. It really matters because most of the time, People don't have the help they need, and and you really do need the help. And there's a lot of things we'll talk about attorneys that you need to know about attorneys because sometimes are they really giving you much more money than the insurance company or are they just holding money the insurance company would give you regardless if they're going to give it to you, okay? There's a lot of those things that go on too. And we'll get back to that too. I mean, there's just so many pieces to talk about, and of course, I want to share them all at once with you. Not possible, though, so I'll have to slow down and take my time and go over one thing one thing at a time. That'll be the key. But I do want to wrap up some of the topics, uh, the, the topic on insured civil rights legislation because we really do need insured civil rights legislation. When law enforcement works with insurance companies, when your uh, Congress, elected officials, for your, even your state Congress works with them, where does that leave you? How does that help you? From my perspective, it doesn't. In fact, if we all aren't at the table, then you know who's going to be hurt, the people not at the table. And who's not at the table? We, as policyholders, have not been at the table. Okay, so I'm just going to, it's probably about 
middle, middle of the article that I'm going to start here, it says, quote, an insured civil rights would be an added protection against many of the injustices faced after filing an insurance claim. The goal is to provide the assistance policyholders need before incurring significant losses, right? So what happens is you go out, you get in an accident, you're stuck, especially if you're not exempt. If you're exempt, you may have a few more options, but if you're hourly, you're going to be in trouble because the moment you stop collecting that check, it's a problem. And chances are you may not even have any benefits at work, which is another problem. But why should that be? It shouldn't be that way. In this way, no clauses or bad faith behaviors could allow these large corporations to delay, deny policyholders help when needed to overcome problems which arise from being in a car collision. There has been an increase in the number of companies offering pre-settlement loans, which would be a high, which come with a high cost to insurers. Yet many have few alternatives now in order to survive hardships caused by collisions. One of the things that I didn't know about pre-settlement loans is that they kind of screen out the riffraff. And what I mean by that is they're not going to give you a pre-settlement loan unless your, your settlement is worth something. Another thing is it will also keep your attorneys in line, right? So if you have an attorney that's actually working with the insurance company, not in your best interest from my perspective, a pre-settlement loan will kind of cut that out, right? And it'll also be a third party and never knows how much the insurance company should be paying you when you don't. So from my perspective, pre-settlement loans are not necessarily a bad alternative. If you're stuck, you're broke, you have no money, uh, go ahead and look into pre-settlement loans. And don't be fooled either because sometimes when you start to actually reach out to them, then you'll notice a different behavior from the people who have been working with you. And it might not be for the reasons that you assume them to be. So that that would be my my thing to you. Let's see. How come I'm always losing my places today? Let me go back a page. Okay. one-sided level of power hinders insured's ability to protect themselves from unfair or slow payments by insured. And insured's rights and insured civil rights could put protections in place to solve many of these issues. So in other words, if Congress did the right thing, which we haven't seen them do in a very long time for anyone at this rate, but if they for some reason, their hearts opened up and realized all the suffering that people involved in collisions face on a daily basis. They might decide to go ahead and investigate insured civil rights legislation so that many people injured, and we have thousands and thousands of people injured every single day in collisions, for them to be able to get what they need. And what would happen if people got what they need? They could get back to work faster. They would not be stressed out. They wouldn't have to worry about whether their insurance company is going to do the right thing or the wrong thing. Are they going to be bad faith or good faith? It matters. Most people can understand the crucial need for a steady source of income. In fact, this is the main purpose for auto insurance, unemployment, or long-term disability, or Social Security. 
These systems are in place to help protect individuals when something goes wrong and provide support in times of trouble. When those systems fail, poor and middle-class families, many do not have the resources to adequately recover from their concerns, and many people will fall down with little means to lift themselves up again. And that's why insured civil rights legislation is so important for all of us. You know, I would just even be pleased if we got uh, an insurance policy that worked more like credit unions because the money would be invested in for the people and not corporate America. When insurers make donate, when insurers make decisions not to support insurers, which is you, the policyholder, as described in policies large print, you notice it said large print there, many clients miss fine print. That's what we were talking about yesterday was that fine print, those exclusions they talk about that are in your contract, or extended number of pages to read through, like they give you a, a contract that's like, I don't know, 100 pages, 50 pages, something where most the average span of people being able to comprehend is much shorter, okay? It's, it's no exact uh, accident that they make those contracts so long, most people don't get to the end of them, right? But guess what? You must. Somebody's got to read it. Even though they give you the bullet points, they usually don't put in that little fine print that you need to see. When insurers make decisions not to support insured, that's policyholders you, as described in policies large print, many clients miss the fine print or extended number of pages to read through where corporate lawyers slip in a few clauses to allow them to skip paying claims. The auto insurance industry knows how devastating, what's the word devastating to a person injured in a traffic collision. They know most are under a great deal of pressure already financially, like from month to month, or in the case today it might be half a month to half a month. Don't even get through the month before all the money's gone. I mean, haven't you noticed how many people that get paid on the 1st and are broke by the 5th? Do you think that's by accident? Do you think they've designed how much money is paid out to people just to allow them to get to the first of the month is just by accident? No, it's not. Why do they pay people so little? Because you're concentrating on how to survive while they're taking the rest of your money. At least some of them are from my perspective. Okay, let me go back here. When insurers make decisions not to support Insured, which is you, the policyholder, as described in policies large print, many clients miss fine points or extended number of pages to read through where corporate lawyers slip in a few clauses to allow them to skip paying claims. The auto insurance industry knows how devastating a lack of income can be to a person injured in a traffic collision. They know most are under a great deal of pressure already financially, and unfortunately, some will use this against their own insurers and make life more difficult instead of being there to relieve some of their pain and suffering per the policy agreement. Insurance companies and corporations like them are supposed to be a light in the dark of times for policyholders, but in fact, this is what their clients depend on. 
Each and every time a client is let down by the industry, it shines a light on the bad faith or unfair practices experienced and has been and has been documented by research. A dissatisfied customer tells more people about what has happened to them. So they go out there and they make a lot of people unhappy by not claiming their claims or denying their claims or hurting them and making sure they don't get the money they need to survive. That's not uncommon. But I tell you what, when people scream out of pain and they're talking out of pain, they're talking. They're talking. They're not going to just stop and not say anything. You think you're going to make all these people suffer and nothing's going to come out? People are going to talk about how they've been treated by insurance companies. Don't believe me? Do a search on it. And no matter how hard some of these corporations bury things, they're po- some think that it's going to pop up to the top. And why is that? Because when you hurt millions of people, they're not going to forget what you promised them. That's why. But we can avoid all of that drama by just having Congress pass insurance civil rights legislation. Let's see. Investors may be impressed with their larger bottom line, but insured certainly are not when their claims are delayed, denied, or fought in court for a fair settlement, which usually can go up to 10 years, by the way. There was a time in our country where our leaders led from the front, where integrity and pride and personal accomplishments stood tall above all else in society. Sadly, it appears more and more leaders are leading from behind. And the quality of choices they are making shows it's a problem. Let's help this behavior is soon replaced, or actually put in remission, being replaced with greater respect and dignity for claims for the policyholders. Let the world once again see the value in respecting those who use what they have responsibly, especially when they have been made giants by those with the least. Did you hear that? Most of these companies who refuse to pay you, what? They've been made giants by those with the least. So they've taken the little money most people have, made a lot of money with it, and forgotten how they got there. They've forgotten what America's about. It's not about them. It's not about us in particular. It's about our country. It's about what we demonstrate to the world. Isn't it time we got back to showing the world who we really are as a country and not just a few greedy people? That would be nice. Maybe we have so many haters out there online because they feel mistreated and in injustice. Does that give them a right to do derogatory things to other people? I don't personally think so. But I think in our country we need to start righting these wrongs. We need to do something about it. And guess what? It starts with all of us. I think we need to think about every day what is our civic duty for that day? How can we make this country better? Each one of us. What have we got to give? How can we share? How to make it a better place. It matters. It matters for all of us. So 
So I hope this weekend you'll take these thoughts that we've learned all through the week, roll them around in your head and say, what is my civic duty? What do I think about what our Congress is doing to us right now? How am I going to use my vote? But the most important thing I want you to remember this weekend is that you are empowered to be who you are, country, and to do the right things. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you on Monday. We're talking about you with Esther at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'll be here waiting for you. See you then.